We live inside a dream. So that happened, ladies and boys. Welcome, <laughs> welcome to <laughs> Stan and Dave needs need wedding dates with your two favorite geeks who like Twin Peaks. I'm Eric Couple. And my name is Jeremy Schmidt. Is uh, ladies and boys a reference to Nadine and uh, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, yes, it is. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm glad that Mike. Uh, man, we'll 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 talk about it. That's. <laughs> Very bizarre. Uh, so this is a Stan and Dave need wedding dates. We are a Stanley Kubrick and David Lynch podcast. This is the end, Jeremy. We we're at the end of our Twin Peaks, our original run of Twin Peaks. Uh, if you're just tuning in, I mean, good to have you. Yes. Kind of weird to tune into this episode, but uh, go back. We just watched all of Twin Peaks and recorded episodes on everything. Um, and yeah, we're. Uh, I don't even know like how long we've been doing season two for, but it <laughs> seems it's definitely like pre-pandemic. I think. Oh, for sure. Yeah, we we have been doing <laughs> Twin Peaks for as long as I've been alive. It feels like it just it, it it's yeah. I thought it would never end, Eric, and here we are, and it has kind of ended. Although it really hasn't, because we will be revisiting Twin Peaks in just another couple weeks with Fire Walk with Me is our next David Lynch film we got to watch, right? That's correct, and and next week we'll we'll get our get our Kubrick in, uh, which I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think we're picking back up with 2001. We are, yes. A space Odessi. That is correct. Yeah, yeah. I plan on you know I I plan on watching that on my phone. Yes, the way Kubrick would have liked it. <laughs> yeah, like out like outside on a sunny day <laughs> on my phone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, frequently going up to strangers, being like. Are you getting any of this? I can't see a damn thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Okay. So we we have uh, our Patreon, patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy. We're doing, uh, we're watching Tales from the Crypt episodes over there. We just did another installment of our, uh, we're going through the top 190s comedy films. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're slowly chipping away at that. I think we're, I think we're, we've got one more part going for that. Uh, in the future um we will be doing a fan request uh which you can put in through our patreon uh normally not right now i guess because we're um i'll get to that but but we will be doing uh i what's it called the best whorehouse the best little whorehouse in yeah, texas I think that's it yeah the best little whorehouse i just watched texas. it yeah you did it's, i don't know if you've seen that movie have you seen that movie jeremy not yet no but i'm looking forward to it it's it's gonna be a great one to talk. Oh, about. Oh, I can't wait! And great. Yeah, I'm glad. Spoiler alert! I'm glad you're not like uh, you know, dreading it. No, I not at all. Actually, you know, I watched it. I watched it uh, last night, actually. Great and uh, very fun. And I think I'm I think I'm gonna go on like a little bit of a musical kick. I like I think that. I'm like into musicals. So if anyone out there like has a musical to recommend me. Uh, let me know. I actually, me know I, I actually have one to recommend for you right now, Eric. It's called uh, Aladdin. 
Never heard of it. Yeah, so that's what I watched last night. <laughs> oh, did you really? Yeah. Yeah, I, fl- I turned Wait, on the, Aladdin. Uh, the live action no, remake? No, 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 the cartoon. <laughs> the animated yeah. version. I, ha- I have not seen the live action remake, but, you know, I've, I'm sure I will have to cover it at some point when we become an all Will Smith podcast. Sure. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, no, I watched Aladdin last night. I should have been watching Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, but I forgot, so... Instead, I watched an unrelated movie to anything. <laughs> and I uh, got to say, Eric, Aladdin holds up. Really? Yeah, it's great. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, I, d- I just don't, I, I, I don't know. It's just, it's hard for me to, I just don't see myself like sitting down and watching like an animated Disney film mm. by myself. Mm-hmm. I think like. Not not that I'm like above it or anything. I actually like wish that I could mm-hmm. enjoy something like that at this point. But uh, you know, if I was around like children or something, I think I might might enjoy it or like a family thing. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll get into all that stuff uh, <laughs> on a later date. Again, when you do, when we talk about when we do our Will Smith deep dive. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll say that know. Aladdin is a little bit easier to get through than some of the other Disney films, just because it has Robin Williams in it. And that's why that's really why I turned it on huh. was because I was I was okay. remembering that the genie was played by Robin Williams and I remember it fondly and boy oh boy that's like the performance of a lifetime I got to say Robin Williams goes all out and you kind of realize for all of like the negativity surrounding Robin Williams career with regards to comedy he was such a force of nature like he really earned his place, I think, in like the Hollywood zeitgeist. Like he's a performer, not uh, not unlike some someone you might see in like the 1930s or something that just like could sing and mm. dance and go crazy and had so much energy and was so funny. It was just it was just wild to hear that performance come out of a an animated film. You know, like uh, I'll tell you who doesn't what doesn't have Robin Williams in it. You know, like The Lion King, right? No Robin Williams there, and it shows. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, you you always say that, by the way. It's, I know, I know. Uh, you know, Jeremy, we got a lot to talk about here. Uh, so we're doing four. We're doing the last four episodes of season two. That is so much more easy to say than what we have been like having to do. Or right. like the numbering of Twin Peaks episode is like okay, we're do- covering episodes fifteen through seventeen, or seasons two episodes like twelve through fourteen, right. or whatever the fuck. Uh, so just, we're doing the last four episodes of season two. It's not too hard to figure out. Uh, so hopefully you watch those episodes. If not, uh, hopefully you've at least seen them before because we're going <laughs> to spoil everything that happens in them. Uh, so let's start with, uh, episode 26, Jeremy. This is, uh, Variations on Relations. <laughs> yeah. Great title. Uh, okay, so the lawmen enter Owl Cave and notice that someone had been been there since their last visit and determined that it was Wyndham Earl. Uh, Coop has Andy draw the penta- a petroglyph, and Harry calls Major Briggs. Uh, Earl tells a story of the black and white lodge to Leo and Ru- uh, Rusty Tomaski, a youth to whom he promised a beer and a party. Man, uh, you know, Rusty Tomaski is like low key <laughs> my favorite, my my hero. My my uh, he's like low key the who I was rooting for the hardest in this episode. Man, oh man, was I yeah, wrong? He, <laughs> <laughs> I put my bets on the yeah, wrong horse, Eric. <laughs> yeah, 
this is it's like we you know we we both watched these four episodes and I'm like even just like reading this right now I'm like fuck like so much happened since Rusty to I know it, it really does feel like a different show was happening at this point <laughs> than what we just yeah. saw in the last but I'll say this and I just want to precursor this is a precursor to every episode we're about to talk about and my overall thoughts in general about the show you know what actually I'll save them I'll save them for the end. Never mind. I was going to give you an overview of what I thought of these last four episodes, but I'll do it at the end. It makes more sense to do it then. Never mind. Cut this out. Okay. You know what? Uh, Don't cut it out. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's see here. The Lawman. uh, Pete makes a poem about Josie as he figures out the next chess move. Catherine requests his help to open the box from Thomas Eckert. Pete figures that it is a puzzle box. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Bobby tries to convince Shelly to enter the Miss Twin Peaks contest, saying that uh, beautiful people have easier lives. Uh, Dwayne and Lana have breakfast, and Lana tells him she wants to win the contest, requests him to guarantee this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cooper enters the diner and puts in an order for him and the lawmen uh, and invites Annie to go on a nature study with him. Yeah, he's goo- what, he's, what a- he's goo-goo dolls for her. He's goo goo for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what what a, what an interesting uh, first date idea, a nature study. Yeah, you know, what even is a nature study? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, compared to like a hike yeah, or something. Good point. Good point. I guess it's you bring a like a book on nature with you. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, Shelley then recites the poem to give her to give to her uh, Donna and Audrey, and Cooper takes the paper copy. Annie serves his order, and he leaves. Uh, Cooper has Hawk receive the section of the poem given to Donna, uh, then Leo's arrest report. Uh, Briggs observes Andy drawing the petroglyph on the conference room blackboard, correcting some lines. Cooper uh, requests the assistance of Briggs with the case at hand, asking for information on Earl's activity with Project Blue Book. Uh, Briggs agrees on the grounds that the information will prevent future loss of life and says that he has seen the petroglyph before. Hawk brings Leo's arrest report, matching his handwriting with the poem. All good stuff. All uh, good Dick. stuff. Uh, it's, it's funny because I don't remember it going down this way, but the, the way that it's being described in the wiki is uh, just very plot-driven and very expository. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like this happens, then this happens, and this happens. And I'm, I'm like, now that I'm remembering back, I'm like, I can't remember really what the tone was going on. I guess it was just like kind of, it was just like information going to more information, leading to more information. Yeah, but it didn't feel like it, which is good. Right. Um, Like the Bobby and Shelly thing felt a little bit more, I don't know, like romantic and, uh, and heartwarming, I guess like him convincing her that she's beautiful and needs to enter the contest or whatever. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, D- uh, Dick, with his nose bandage, approaches Ben, wishing to see Audrey to discuss his wine tasting event, but is directed to the concierge. Ben then says the business will pay medical expenses for Dick's nose. Mm-hmm. Uh, after constructing a paper mache pawn out of rust around Rusty, uh, Earl gives Rusty a beer. Earl gets a- out a crossbow and commands Leo to give him an arrow, which he uses to kill Rusty. Yes, this scene is cut very strangely. <laughs> Did you notice yeah, that? Yeah, how so? I can't remember. I can't remember exactly. Well, what, it's like what do you mean? he shoots the arrow. We then cut to the arrows already inside of Rusty's body, 
and then we cut up to his face who's where he's already dead and blood's coming out of his mouth so it's like mm. it's like cutting from still shot to still shot <laughs> so like it's not like we <laughs> see him get shot you know what i mean we just like see like boom pull the trigger boom the arrow's already in the body boom his face is already dead like it right you know, we don't see him struggle and die or even be hurt we just it's like it's just it, yeah it's just shot very uh stiltedly um, the Miss Twin Peaks Judging and Rules Committee, uh, which consists of Dwayne, Will, and uh, Pete Martell, are yeah, addressed you've by Yeah, you got to get Pete in there. Who uh, wishes to have the year's speeches be on uh, the subject of conservation of the forests. Uh, Lana enters the contest with Shelly, Donna, and Nadine in line. Bobby expresses uh, his worried thoughts about Mike's interest in Nadine. Uh, Mike... Uh, whispers the secret of Nadine's sexual maturity and superhuman strength, which profoundly impresses Bobby. <laughs> he's like blown. I gotta know what he says. I, I, I really, if I could like overhear one whisper that's been said in this show, uh-huh. I want to know what Nadine's been doing to, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> doing to, to Mike. Mike. Yeah. Whatever it is, it yeah. sounds miraculous. So, right. I mean, think like, so like what makes her unique is her superhuman strength right i can't think of a way in which that would like uh make like sexual activity more enjoyable okay i'm gonna i'm gonna gonna pitch it to you right now this is what she's doing (laughs) she's bench pressing him eric (laughs) she's bench pressing him and mike loves it it makes his little wiener (laughs) go go crazy (laughs) all right all right um, Harry speaks with Catherine requesting to know Josie's reasons for the things she did, uh, wishing to understand. Catherine tells him her beliefs that Josie was, uh, never really showed her true self to anyone. Uh, she asks for Harry's help to, uh, with the puzzle box, but he is too unsure how it, how it opens. Pete enters and drops the box, which opens it. Uh, but it is found to contain a smaller puzzle box. I hate when my bigger puzzle box yields yet again another puzzle box. Nothing worse. Yeah. Nothing worse. Uh, Dale and Annie go on their nature study, and they talk about uh, their respective troubled pasts. He told her that he could understand her pain, and they share a kiss. Wyndham Earl spies on them, disguised as a fisherman. <laughs> he loves his disguises. I will say this romance between Dale and Annie are um, is working for me. I love it. I do too. I'm a huge fan. I'm I'm a big like I'm a big Annie guy. You know, you know, this is what uh, I said earlier like in season 1 when we were talking about that. I'm I'm more of a uh a Norma guy. Mhm. You know, I think I think I might be more of an Annie guy. Gotcha. I think I I like Annie a lot. Well, Annie's good. I think uh, uh overall now that wholesome. we're at the end of the the show, I'm a Shelly guy through and through. Okay. But but Annie is uh, Annie's up there for me. I, I really like how she's kind of like the female Cooper in a way. Like she thinks a lot like him. Uh, she thinks a lot like he does. She acts a lot like he does. They're both inquisitive and, you know, interested in the same ways at stuff, curious about the same things. And it's it's kind of fascinating to watch them interact together. I think she's written really well. Yes. Yes. Uh, let's see here. Uh, now, did this, I I wrote this down in my notes, and I want to bring it up because I love the line, but I can't remember if it happens here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at some point, 
Someone says nothing quite like a trout's leap in the moonlight. Does that ring, ring a bell to you? Yes, nothing quite. Is like that a, one Jack Nance? Yeah, that is that is Pete, and he says it okay. to um, Audrey. Audrey whenever right. Jack. Okay, okay. I'm yeah. jumping the gun a little bit. I was thinking maybe it was. It sounds like something Cooper might have said too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dick hosts a wine tasting event for the Stop Ghostwood campaign. Lucy and Lana help him pour the wine. Uh, Andy displays his knowledge of white wines and sparkling wines and also swallows some of the wine uh, when told to spit. Yeah, Dick actually has a really funny moment here where he screams at Andy. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like the only funny thing Dick has ever done in the show, which is like this one moment where he yells at Andy for for ruining his wine tasting (laughs) event. Uh, let's see here. Gordon tells a war story, uh, to Shelly at the diner. Uh, they have pie with Dale and Annie and he shares a kiss with Shelly before he leaves town. Uh, just before Bobby enters confused with the situation. Yeah, this Um, is a, what do you think of this scene? (laughs) I really, I mean, I find it really like charming and nice. Uh, I, I will say like, I mean, I, 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 you know everything you hear about David Lynch, like everyone loves him. Yeah. Um, I, I one thing that I heard, and I don't know if this is true. This is just anecdotal, but I, I like heard that uh, uh, at one point, sort of like behind the scenes, uh, David Lynch. I don't know how serious he was about this. So like one of the writers or whatever was like, write me a, write a scene where I get to kiss uh, Matchin Amick. <laughs> so I don't know. That's really funny. Uh, I think. For me, we, we can even talk about this maybe later, although I don't know when we would, but David, there's so many of the characters in Twin Peaks that you realize are just in the voice of David Lynch. And you imagine David Lynch yes. as being really charming in a specific way. Like the way he's really charming is like this old timey, you know, like they don't make them like this anymore, kind of mid, you know, Midwestern American where you know, he's, he has these phrasings that are very old, like rustic, like even for this time period that they're in, mm-hmm. you know? And like, mm-hmm. so you kind of get like characters like, uh, like uh, Dale Cooper or uh, Major Briggs. And like, you kind of get a sense for, oh, that's why they're written the way that they are because they're all kind of mm-hmm. surrogates of David Lynch in a way. Like a lot of characters aren't, you know, but, but they're definitely, when you, when you see a character, when you hear a character saying certain phrasings or dealing with a situation in a, in a particular way, that's very specific. You can almost, you can almost be certain that it, that they're doing an impression of David Lynch of sorts. Yes. Do you kind of, do you kind of yeah. get what I'm saying? Like, like how Briggs oh, has yeah. his like little anecdotes and his platitudes that he says, nothing like a good piece of cherry pie on a Sunday. Like that's all very David Lynch esque. <laughs> like that's the way I think he kind of talks and operates and, and, and acts. And in this scene, you get David Lynch kind of being David Lynch to Shelley and being sort of this ladies man, which is, you know, part of the David Lynch mythos is that he is, kind of has a way with women he does like he's been married several times he's like uh to isabella rossellini being you know one of them uh everyone who works with him loves him he's very charming and this is sort of an example of how he is charming and i think it's cool to see on screen yeah oh yeah for sure um so back at the wine tasting lana uh displays her expertise with wine lucy gets mad at dick uh and spits on him 
Cooper has a drink by the Great Northern's fireplace. Uh, Jack joins him, and they talk about their respective romances. Uh, Jack has brought a telegram that makes him decide to check out of the hotel. Uh, That scene with Cooper and Jack is uh, one of the sexiest scenes, I think, in the whole show. It's like a yeah. by a fire <laughs> and it's shot really like seductively and the music is very film noir. It's like an incredibly like too hot to handle moment. And they're both talking about love in this way that's like feels like she took a crowbar to my heart, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Um one thing I'll say about uh about Jack about uh Justice Wheeler is he's uh you know the hair the hair isn't real. No. I don't know if you like ever were were like skeptical, but the hair is not real. It is a it is a wig. Uh, wait, Jack's hair? Jack, um, yeah, fucking uh, Billy Zane. Billy Zane. What, yeah. Was he bald? Yes, I don't know if he was like bald during during this, uh, but the hair is fake. Oh my! The god. hair is it's a wig. Oh my god! What? Wow! But he is bald like throughout a lot of his career. When you look at pictures of him, I he's, didn't know like, that. Pretty much bald consistently yeah it's kind of wow. interesting no it was like no perfect, i was like I guess, wondering huh? about that yeah um at the haywards uh donna asks her mother about her association with ben horn which she says is because of charities donna's parents try to drop the subject i'm i don't know i i for some reason this stuff like this whole like little plot doesn't really do anything for it's a me. weird one isn't just it just like whatever yeah it's a little bit strange. Uh, it's a little bit of a, um, like, they're trying too hard or something. It's like, I don't yeah. think we needed Ben Horn to be Audrey's dad. Or, I'm sorry, Donna's dad. <laughs> I don't think we needed yeah. that, but whatever. <laughs> I do like the idea of Audrey and Donna being sisters. Yeah, the yin-yang, right? Yep. Uh, at the park's gazebo, a wooden box is found, apparently with Wyndham Earl. Uh, from Wyndham Earl. It is believed to be a bomb, but when the box is pulled open, the pond containing Rusty Tomansky is revealed. <laughs> so, yeah. And, yeah. And it's kind of a bone-chilling image of him, too. Like, this dead, is, this yeah. dead smiling corpse face kind of coming out of a paper mache Yeah, it's gross. Yeah, it's my bones weird. were definitely shaking. Yeah, my bones were rattling like a, like a Mickey Mouse skeleton. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so that's that's episode 26, Jeremy. Yes. That's variations and relations. Would- and why don't we move on to 27? This is The Path to the Black Lodge. All right. Uh, directed by Stephen Gyllenhaal, who is apparently the father of Jake and Maggie Gyllenhaal. Whoa, that's cool. Yes. Uh, yeah. Okay, so uh, lo- there's, I, there's like one other like piece of trivia, but I'll... I'll get to that when we it's talk about the plot. Okay. Uh, lawmen remove Rusty Tomansky's body from the gazebo as Agent Cooper and Sheriff Truman question a friend of Rusty's. Uh, this guy, this poor guy, like rocker dude, is like so like, clueless mm-hmm. and oh man, yeah, he makes me sad. Guy. Yeah, it's a bummer because he <laughs> these guys are just like good hearted rock and roll boys who just want to come and party. And they just got mixed up with the wrong guy, you know? Who who would you... Yeah. I mean, in a million years, I would never think on a road trip I would I would run into a Wyndham Earl. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Eric, have you ever been on a road trip and thought, I hope I don't run into Wyndham Earl? <laughs> Every time I step in my Honda Civic, <laughs> I think about that. 
and I do step into it. I got it. It's it's taller than most Civics. Right, right. It's a standing model. Yeah. Um, I love this like genre of movie and TV character, though, especially in the '90s. It's just like scrawny, uh, like headband wearing rocker mm-hmm. who just likes drinking beer a lot. Yeah, like a Bill and Ted or a Encino yeah. Man. Polly yes. Shore played all these characters in the '90s. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, could be in in the cast of Airheads. Right. Uh, he tells them that he was passing by Twin Peaks with his band, and Rusty went with a man who offered him beer. Uh, Cooper states that Wyndham Earl is playing off the board. Uh, the men return to the sheriff station in the morning, and Lucy tells Andy that she will be choosing the father of her child the next day. Andy gives her some pointers for her speech she is about to give at the Miss Twin Peaks contest. So, uh, Jack looks for Audrey as he prepares to leave the hotel. Uh, Doc Hayward gives Ben an examination. Uh, Will tells him to stay away from Eileen, but Ben insists on doing that what uh, he believes to be the right thing. Yeah, this was a confusing scene and a confusing moment from Ben where I wasn't sure what yeah. he meant by the right thing, like what he thinks the right thing to do is. And as it turns out, Spoiler, it it does this scene doesn't really mean anything. Like ben, right. ben doesn't there is no right thing Ben's doing. Ben's just withholding information from Donna but staying in her life for no reason. It's not gr- it's not great. And it's it's weird that they would waste your time with this scene too. <laughs> yeah. I just like it's kind of like a weak setup of this whole thing too is like so he has like love letters or something that yeah. From like a long time ago. Yeah. I don't know. It just doesn't seem I don't, whatever. And why uh, and Jack, why now? You know, like it doesn't <laughs> yeah, make any exactly. sense. Yeah. Uh Jack comes and Doc leaves for his office. Uh Jack tells Ben that he will be leaving Twin Peaks due to a partner being murdered. Which is uh, weird, Donald, right? That's that that is a, that is, that's yeah. strange. Like it, with all this going on in Twin Peaks, Somewhere far away, an unrelated murder is affecting someone else in Twin Peaks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Donna looks in the attic of her home, uh, examining her birth certificate and finds that no father is listed. Her mother calls her down with an uh, important phone call from Deputy Hawk. Uh, Audrey returns to the hotel and Hawk stops her to take her to a meeting uh, ordered by Agent Cooper. Uh Ben and Jack further discuss the latter's departure and the effects that it may have on the Stop Ghostwood campaign. Jack has Ben give Audrey a letter. I like a good Ben and Jack scene. Sure, yeah, I, I like I, they're they're fun to watch. Uh, Major Briggs assigns uh, Cappy some work and meets with Dale and Cat. Who, who is Cappy? <laughs> trying to remember. <laughs> Uh, meets with Dale and Harry to discuss Earl's activities with Project Blue Book, telling them that he becomes uh, became obsessed and violent and was dropped from the project. Uh, he shows them footage of Earl speaking about uh, Doug, Doug, Doug Paws? Doug Paws. <laughs> and a place called the Black Lodge. Yeah, so this uh, is good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Wait. This is footage of Earl speak. Yeah, this is good. There's also a scene, I, I'm sorry, I, I think it might have even been in the last episode, but it's a scene with Earl telling Leo and I think 
the rock and roll guy what the black lodge and what the white lodge are Mm. i do you remember what i'm talking about it's like a scene where he's explaining in great detail exactly what the difference is between these two places and what they and what they mean and i think the rocker guy says something funny afterwards like yeah man i mean like what because i just wanted beer (laughs) it's like it's like he's like the whole time he's getting this explanation he has no idea he's no frame of reference for what the guy's talking about but i think that i really wish we would have gotten this explanation like episodes ago like maybe like right after the leland palmer death because he breaks it down very concisely in a way that made sense to me and i just wish i was like oh man this is a really good explanation like why are we getting it you know three episodes away from the end Mm. yeah um yeah that's a good point i yeah i don't know but uh it's interesting. I do like. I think what you're talking about that moment is is last episode, the last episode. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I do like. So this is when we see him on videotape, right? Yeah, yeah. I like this a lot. I, I think that's cool. Yeah, uh, he, Cooper, he he's talking about like a cult or something of like people who do stuff maliciously. They do stuff like yeah, yeah they they murder or they do evil for evil's sake, and they have no. But can you remind me, like, what he's referring to? Like, was he talking about, like, a group of people or, like, beings that do this? I think he's talking about, like, the people, like, I guess, I don't know if I would call them people, like, the entities of the Black Lodge, perhaps. Gotcha. Um, Something along those lines. Spirits? I don't know. But uh, Cooper figures that Earl's true motivation is coming to Twin Peaks. To co- coming to Twin Peaks is to find the Black Lodge, and that the Owl Cave petroglyph has a sort of connection. Uh, Earl listens in on the conversation and states that he knows more than the lawmen do. He plans to go with Leo Johnson to ambush Mister uh, Major Briggs. Uh, a woman eats pie, her hand shaking. Yes, uh, I loved this. Yeah. This is good. This uh, Bobby yeah. and Shelley. Uh, discuss the latter's speech for Miss Twin Peaks contest, and Bobby tells her that he loves her. Uh, Shelly gets a phone call from Agent Cooper. Sorry, I, th- I think I stepped on something you were going to say. No, 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 not, n- not at all. Uh, Mayor Dwayne meets Lana at the Roadhouse and tells her, them uh, that he, Norma, and Dick are the judges. They plan a scheme for her to get Dick's vote. Uh, Cooper meets with Shelley, Audrey, and Donna, concealing the poem that was given to them by Earl and any strange encounters they had with it. Uh, he tells them to check in with the sheriffs uh, twice a day and gives them guidelines for their safety. Uh, Earl tells Leo about the uh, Duke. I can't believe I don't know how to say it. Was this said in the show? D-U-G-P-A-S? <laughs> Dupas? Yeah, Dupas? no, I don't, I don't know. I don't... I. Uh, yeah I, d- I don't remember this word being said and i don't remember what it is referring to but i Me guess neither. it's a society of evil sorcerers who cultivated okay. evil for the sake of evil they had access to the okay. place of power streamline this process known as the predominantly as the black lodge so that's he okay. was he, these are the people that's he was researching uh, as the ladder cl- cleans off a table saw, uh, Leo notices Shelley on one of the queen cards. Uh, Earl expresses his doubt uh, over whether Leo loves her. Leo holds out his shock collar remote, Earl uh, feigning fear until Leo shocks himself, entertaining Earl. Yeah, it's a bummer scene, huh? 
Yeah, Leo's really uh what's Eric DeRay is very good in this. Yeah. He's, it's a good performance. Mm-hmm. Um Audrey uh returns to the hotel. Dude, by the way, look up oh my god, uh <laughs> Eric DeRay um I hmm what? What would be the best? So his hair yeah, I don't know if his hair is like always like this, but I saw him on <laughs> on one of the like b- behind behind the scenes things on the on the Blu-ray. His hair is like fucking wild. He has like curly like Fabio hair in real life. Oh, it's dude. like huge and blonde. It's like it's like it's worth looking up. It's it's like very notable. Awesome. Uh, Audrey returns to the hotel missing Jack as he leaves. She goes to her father's office and asks about Jack, but Ben tells her that. He feels Stop Ghostwood needs a spokesperson, specifically her, and urges her to enter Miss Twin Peaks. Audrey finally gets Ben's attention about Jack. He tells her he is gone, and she leaves. Uh, fun fact, uh, 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 what's her face? Why am I blanking on her name? Audrey. Horn? Yeah. Uh, no, the actress. Oh, the Sorry. actress, yeah. Her name. Mm-hmm. Sherilyn Fenn. Sherilyn Fenn. She, uh, she actually... Uh, expressed that she didn't want to be part of the Twin Peaks project. She didn't want Audrey to be in it. Like what? Like during like the, I guess production or writing of this. She she said she didn't want to be a part of it. Yeah, uh, uh, that's a good move on her part. Yeah. <laughs> I think that the whole Miss Twin Peaks thing is a huge fucking swing and a miss by the by the writing team of Twin Peaks. It's like I get that they needed an event to host so that a bunch of shit could go down at it, but. It's like how fucking misogynist and creepy and weird and also just hokey can you be? Like it's just like it is as hacky and stupid and shitty as any fucking uh soap opera I've ever seen but to like some sort of weird 10th degree. Like every part of it's just like very like uh you know, I don't know, uh reductive and 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 weird even for the 90s I think. It, it's a very strange yeah. plotline. And I get kind of where they're coming from cuz it's like Twin Peaks, as much as we think it's about the Black Lodge and uh, the big, the big tall giant coming to Cooper and all the weirdness uh, in Leland Palmer and Laura Palmer, as much as it's about that, it's really more about like the women who live in Twin Peaks. Like the show is about a bunch of women who live in Twin Peaks. If you if you break it down into like what gets the most screen time it's kind of about showcasing a bunch of like beautiful women. I mean, Gordon says it in that scene we just saw with Shelly where he's like, this town is full of some of the most beautiful women I've ever seen. Uh, (laughs) Thus you could say like the show's thesis is this town is full of beautiful women. Like, like this is what, this is what we kind of care about. You know, if what gets screen time means that they care about it, you know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, I think it's. I think it, the show is both. It's like, oh, this is a, this weird show about, you know, like dark forces that live in the woods and owls and 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 signs and and tribulations. But it's also about like, let's have a fucking uh, chorus line with all of the women, including Nadine. And uh, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like yeah. It's just yeah, it's it's, it's bonkers. And and I think that you know, Sherilyn Finn, her character of Audrey wouldn't want to be in it. So I appreciated that. But I also thought. Like that's a, just a good. Also, if you're a human actress, 
that's a good thing to not want to be into. And to be honest with you, I was disappointed that like Annie got wrapped into it. Like why? Like, like Annie was a character I would have thought would also not wanted to be in it, but ends yeah. up in it anyway. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, uh, I, I guess I'm kind of like indifferent to it. Like I, uh, I do like the idea that there's just kind of this like spectacle where like everyone in town is there. Yeah. And obviously we'll talk about that next episode, yeah. but it could have been, been yeah, like right. a talent Twin show Beats or something, is, you, know? you know, didn't, yeah, it could have just been that yeah. something like that. But, uh, you know, uh, Pete, uh, Pete Martell claims to see Josie's face above the fireplace and Audrey has him take her to the airport. Uh, Cooper Truman and Andy observe the petroglyph and wonder where Briggs has gone. Truman has Andy call Betty. Cooper muses about Annie, saying that he thinks about her frequently throughout the day. His hand briefly shakes. Yeah. The trembling. Yeah, uh, Briggs wanders through the woods until he encounters two men in a horse costume. Uh, who brandish a dart gun, incap- incapata- incapacitating him. Earl reveals himself and Leo as the horse, laughing. Yeah, that's a good scene. Uh, Jack prepares to leave in his plane. Uh, I guess they d- didn't add the part. Well, that, oh, that happens we in a minute, uh, yeah. Yeah, it happens in a little bit. Uh, Cooper goes to dinner uh, and, and, and talks with Annie, and she notices he is being troubled, uh, and he admits that he has been thinking about her more than the case at hand. She admits to thinking about him all day. He offers to take her dancing. Uh, they kiss, accidentally knocking over a stack of dishes. Yeah, I mean, shit's getting uh, real, right? Like, people are starting to tremble all over town. Uh, even these romantic moments are punctuated with insane insane sort of like dark auras like i I, I, this scene is particularly good because it is a nice scene between cooper and annie but i don't know if you remember this eric but like as the as they're having their nice moment the camera is slowly panning backwards or, or pulling out and you're hearing this beautiful music undercut with the dark and sinister tones sort of growing underneath them so it's almost like something is coming or something is stalking them while they're having this moment. And then of course they drop the dishes and that's when like we get this like really slow dripping of syrup. <laughs> it's like, it's like yeah. really powerful yeah. filmmaking. Um, Pete takes Audrey to the airport and right before Jack prepares for takeoff, Audrey stops him. They express their love for each other and Jack states that he must leave, but does not know if he will return. She requests him to make love to her, and they go inside his plane, leaving Pete teary-eyed as his hand is shaking. Uh, man. Yeah, they, <laughs> they bone like, down, dude. Yeah, it's a, it's a little like, I don't know, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. It's kind of like a bummer, like in a way of, of a scene where it's just like, huh, that was kind of like, a, I don't know, like, I don't know that that's, like, necessarily, I don't know. It just seems like, a, sort of, like, kind of not really in character for Audrey. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, like, a little, like, out of character for the show, almost. Like, yeah. let's go in my plane and, like, fuck before <laughs> I leave. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. Yeah, it's um, also, like, but I, it's also, like, I Audrey being a virgin, too. I, I'm not sure if I love that choice. Yeah. Do you do? How do you feel about it? Indifferent. Um. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, yeah, I guess I if I I would I wouldn't have expected that, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um I do the one thing I'll say is I love Jack Nance tearing up in this. Yeah. He's, he's so good. Me too. Uh Earl interrogates Briggs about the Owl Cave, uh but the major states that he is not at liberty to give him the answers he seeks. Uh, Wyndham injects him with a sort of truth serum, causing Briggs to admit that he saw the petroglyph in a dream during his disappearance. He describes signs that say, there is a man if Jupiter and Saturn meet, or there is a time if Jupiter and Saturn meet, they will receive you. Uh, He then utters some indistinguishable words, which very much sound like uh, that... Gum you like is uh, coming back in style. Gum you like is coming back in style. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Catherine shows the puzzle box to Andrew, who solves one of the layers, then smashes another with a rolling pin, revealing a metallic box. Uh, Cooper meets Annie at the roadhouse and offers to teach her how to dance. She expressed to him that she wanted more than uh, his kisses, but they are interrupted by Mayor Milford addressing the crowd, uh, but struggling with the microphone. She expresses her attraction to Dale. They kiss... Uh, being once again interrupted by Milford, she decides to enter Miss Twin Peaks, but then the giant appears, waving his arms and mouthing no. Huh. Yeah. Um, I wish I had this fucking giant in my life, just like, every time, like, something (laughs) bad's gonna happen, he shows up, and I, like, know about it ahead of time. Yeah. I would also say this scene is shot really cool where the, I mean the light, the lighting effects on it are really fun and practical and, and the giant waving his hands. No is truly alarming. Like it does not, you know, I'd listen, Eric, if I were Cooper. Yeah. You know, I love, I love the, I love the roadhouse. Um, the, uh, James, the guy who plays James was talking in one of the, like, uh, behind the scenes things on the Blu-ray about, uh, this moment where they were outside of the roadhouse, the location of the roadhouse, and uh, they actually have that neon sign that has like the like the bang, um, that that neon sign outside the roadhouse, and uh, mm. the character who plays James said that the crew was kind of all off to one area and David Lynch was kind of just like hanging out by himself in the dark by the roadhouse, mm-hmm. just staring down at a puddle and like smoking a cigarette. Yeah, and. James walked over to him and I guess David Lynch just was like, look at this. And he like pointed at the puddle and it was, uh, I guess there was like a cool reflection of the neon sign. Yeah. And he was like, and David Lynch was just like, just like, it's the most beautiful thing he's ever seen. <laughs> and he was like, I was like, are you going to shoot it, get a shot of it for the show? And David Lynch was like, Oh, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jack leaves, waking Pete up in his truck. Uh, Audrey goes to Pete, who reassures her that Jack would return after she mentions Jack's uh, promise to take her fishing. Pete offers to go with her, stating that a trout sleep in the moonlight is a cure for a broken heart. Oh, yeah. Leo and Briggs are disturbed by computer noises as an unfazed Earl discovers that the petroglyph is actually a map to the Black Lodge. Mm-hmm. Deep in the woods, a light appears and Bob steps out into the uh, into the open as a reflection on the ground in front of him reveals red drapes. Ooh, Love it. scary, spooky, scary. Uh, yeah. And that's how the episode 27 ends. And yeah. shit is happening at an alarming rate. 
It is. This is all. These are all good, dude. Like they, yeah. these episodes, there really is like. I think I notice this like every time I watch the show is I'm like, I always know there's like a little like slump in season two, but it's really, it's not like that big. It's like maybe five or six episodes that are actually like not that great. Mm -hmm. These are all really good. Honestly, that's what I was going to say towards the end. And I might as well just say it now to confer with you. But like, I think that my negativity about season two is really only about four episodes long. Like it really doesn't last that long before we're back in the swing of things. And this this part of the show is as good as anything in season one, if not better. Like I think that a lot of these a lot of the stories that are happening between, you know, episode twenty six through twenty nine are are like killer. It's just like killer stuff, and it's oh, and it's like clear, and it's weird, and it's shot very, and it's shot, it's shot really well, and and they're balancing the characters in the right way, and I mean minimal minimal complaints from any of these episodes. I think I think that yeah, when when we hear that twi- season two gets a bad rap, it's it really isn't like because the show jumps the shark or anything like that. It's really just two or three episodes in the middle that really just bum you out because they're slow yeah it's like a slow i mean we all hate harold and that's probably the big i mean i would say that <laughs> sure it's around the time that he shows up is like when the show takes a huge dip but as soon as he's gone man i i don't really i just it's weird it, but it is weird that this the season has this stigma around it and that i also remember it being more boring and more and more like um i don't know like uh like stupid that it is it's really not it's really cool actually like you know and in a lot yeah. of and a lot of twin peaks iconic twin peaks moments actually happen in season two as opposed to season one uh do you want yeah, me to uh do these next two episodes go for it my man hell yeah dude take the wheel all right schmidt is taking the wheel for episode 28 directed by Tim Hunter and written by Barry Pullman. Eric, did you know that Barry Pullman's actually Bill Pullman's uh, brother? He's. I think I looked this up and it's. It's that's not true. Yeah, right? no, you're right. It's not true. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to have a cool factoid like you did. Uh, Leo and Briggs lay chained uh, up in the cabin. Leo finds a key that undoes Briggs' restraints and requests him to save Shelley. Earl later comes and confronts. Uh, sorry, Earl later comes and finds that Briggs is gone. He holds up a bag to Leo, saying that he has a new game for him. Mm. Norma. Scrabble. Scra- <laughs> yeah. uh, Norma states her expectations to see either Shelly or Annie as the winner of the Miss Twix- Twin Peaks contest. Audrey sits okay. by the fireplace in her father's office as, she- as he enters with various religious texts, wishing to find the truth. The true meaning of good. What is wrong with me? Can I not read? I'm going to move my microphone. Maybe that's the problem. Okay. Left to right, Jeremy. Left to right. Left to right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, (laughs) Concerning Jack, he assures her that time heals all wounds and that if Jack promised to return, he would. About her trip to Seattle, she tells him that the Packards are using the Twin Peaks savings and loan to funnel cash for the Ghostwood Development Project. Ben asks asks her again about Miss Twin Peaks. Wanting her to enter, she refuses, but he urges her 
to still make a speech. So this is like sort of a, a metaphor for the show and the actress, right? <laughs> the show wanting her to sure. do it and yeah. her saying no. Yeah. Andy studies the owl cave petroglyph. Cooper tells Harry that he believes Earl is, has targeted Briggs. Cooper then admits to Truman that he saw Bob following Josie's death, believing him to have been feeding off of Josie's fear leading to her death. Having listened to this, Earl has an epiphany, learning that the fear is the key to the Black Lodge. He departs, leaving a cage of tarantulas above Leo's head, set to drop if he lets go of a rope between his teeth. Tim Pink. Yeah. Yeah. So is this the <laughs> last time up. we see Leo? I think it is, yeah. I, th- I think so. That is so mm-hmm. fucked up. That, like, the last time we see Leo, <laughs> the last we see of him in the entire show... He's may- he's maybe going to have tarantulas drop on his head. <laughs> Everything I've heard about Eric DeRay is like like on the set, like everyone is just like, oh, he's like the nicest guy. He's like very funny and like outgoing and stuff. Yeah. Just like think about, uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Just think about what he's gone through as an actor yeah. in this show. It's like yeah, his character first he's like hell. a deadbeat husband yeah. that like beats his wife. Then he's in a vegetative state where he's uh, tortured. <laughs> yeah, while his wife is like fucking some like high schooler in front of him, right? And now he's just being tortured <laughs> in, in a shack. Yeah, it's awful. Uh, Tim Pinkle teaches a dance of nature to the Miss Twin Peaks contestants, whilst admiring the cleavage of one of the women. This is the kind of scene that makes me think that Sherilyn Finn wasn't too crazy for not wanting to be a part of it, honestly. Sure. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Lucy questions the dance. The judges discuss the qualities that exemplify Miss Twin Peaks. Uh, Mayor Milford states beauty and power. Dick states poise, sophistication, and breeding. And Norma states originality. Breeding, breeding was a weird word. To use. I know. Yeah. I mean, what does that even like mean? Like, if you take that literally, that just means sex, right? No, like, no. I think bre- like, I thought breeding meant um, like like uh, race almost. Or, like they're, or, they're oh, they're like breed. ethnicity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like that's or, weird. or or uh, maybe more than race, but like their qualities that came from their their parents and upbringing and stuff. So like, okay, yeah, just really gross. Uh, Enormous <laughs> states originality. Which to which Dick says, isn't that just talent? And I'm like, what the fuck is this conversation? What are you talking like? What what are you <laughs> even talking about? Talent? What? How is that origin? How is that synonymous? Anyway, yes. And also, what's wrong with that? Isn't that like the whole? Isn't that what there should be getting judged on? Is like talent? Yeah, sure, exactly. Like any other content. <laughs> she goes to make the uh, the score sheets, and Lana takes Dick to the storage room to help her find something then seduces him. Cooper records a tape for Diane after meditating, updating her on the prog- uh, sorry on the progress of the case. Annie then comes. Request- oh, he also tells Diane about Annie, which I think is cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, Annie, most likely not even being a real person, but like just who he... I mean, sorry, Diane, most likely not being a real person, like someone just Cooper just t- addresses when he's talking into his <laughs> tape recorder. Annie then comes. Re- so you have seen the return. I have not seen it. No, is that what is that what it is? My lips are sealed. <laughs> Great, a little uh, a little uh, wetting my whistle here. Uh, Annie then comes, requesting help on her speech for the contest. Their discussion of trees ends in the making love, as discussion of trees often does. Eric, oh, always. Yeah, yeah. That's. <laughs> Uh, Nadine shows her wrestling slides to Mike, Ed, and Norma and Dr. (laughs) Jacoby. This is a very funny scene, actually. Her just showing a slideshow of her 
kicking all these dudes' asses. <laughs> Uh, Jacoby then takes control of the meeting gathered to discuss the divorce or breakup asking uh, for each of their feelings on the separation and reveals to Nadine that he and Norma plan to unmarrying, which causes Nadine to say that she and Mike are doing the same crushing Mike's hand. Major Briggs staggers backwards uh, back towards civilization encountering deputy Hawk who takes him back to the mm-hmm. station still under the influence of the haloperidol. The major speaks incoherently to Cooper and Truman. Andy comes back to observe the petroglyph. I got to say, uh, Leo Johnson's been through a lot in this show, but Major Briggs might be a close second yeah. of like having gone through hell. Like he, oh, yeah. he has to go, he has to keep going back into like literal hell, like the Black Lodge and the White Lodge. But then he also gets kidnapped and drugged and shit. Like it sucks. Yeah. Um, Andrew, Pete, and Catherine continue to struggle in opening the metal box. Frustrated, Andrew takes out a revolver and shoots the box, which successfully blows holes in it, revealing a safety deposit key. Catherine takes the key and places it in the cake saver. Dressed for Miss Twin Peaks, Donna comes down and demands to know her mother's association with Horn. Her parents do not budge on the subject, and she leaves. Donna, Donna, looking good as hell. I yeah, gotta say, Donna. look at that hairdo. Very good hair, Donna. You did it. You got that good <laughs> hair. I'm assuming she did it herself. Yeah, probably. I mean, I, I heard on Twin Peaks that all of the women had to do their own hair. <laughs> yeah. uh, Cooper points out planetary positions on the petroglyph as the conjunction between Jupiter and Saturn is key to the opening of the Black Lodge. Briggs says that fear and love open the doors and mentions a queen. Cooper finds this to mean the winner of the Miss Twin Peaks and that Earl will take her to the Black Lodge. Andy has an epiphany about the petroglyph, but is ignored as he knocks over the bonsai plant, leading them to discover that Wyndham Earl has been spying on them. Cooper and Truman leave, ignoring Andy's plea to listen, which is a bummer because Andy actually does have some good information. Mm -hmm. And I will say that, oh, and then Cooper also mentions that like, yeah, Earl is now 12 steps ahead of us at this point. And I think that's like, yeah, it's a really big, a really cool, like, oh, shit moment of, like, yeah, he's already, basically, he's already won. The Miss yep. Twin Peaks contestants <laughs> dance. Lucy commences the show's talent section with a dance performance of her own. Bobby yes, looks out. She choreographed. She she choreographed the dance, The actor the did? Lu- yeah, she's, Kimmy Robertson is a former dancer. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, it looked like uh, she knew what she was doing. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Bobby looks out into the crowd and sees that the log lady and sees the log lady, but sees another log lady backstage. He looks out again to see that the log lady has disappeared. He goes to the one backstage and is knocked out by her revealing that she is actually Wyndham Earl. Very uh, convincing log lady disguise, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I love yeah, it. Wyndham Earl looks exactly like the log lady. Uh, Lucy finishes her dance as Cooper and Truman arrive just before Lana does a dance of contortionistic jazz exotica. <laughs> yeah, I gotta say, A, this seems like problematic in some way. Yeah, racially. Uh, racially. Also, B, I mean, if if even if, like, in theory, like, this is supposed to be, like, a sexy dance, right? Mm-hmm doesn't doesn't do it for me i don't know i don't i don't know about you i'm not like uh i'm not like super into whatever this is i mean i was completely revved up uh the entire time my tank was on f my rpms were at max but uh teach their own eric teach their own all right lana Mm. and her contortionistic jazz exotica 
Turns out, uh, that's what I've been looking for my whole life. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> yeah. Andy arrives to speak to Agent Cooper, but is distracted by Lana's performance, as are most of the men in attendance. <laughs> Audrey delivers her speech, and Donna approaches Ben backstage, asking him about his association with her mother. He states a better course of action and place to bring information to light, wishing to do the right thing. He keeps, yeah, I love how even the wiki keeps putting right thing under quotations. <laughs> it's like yeah, wishing to do the yeah. right thing. It's like, what the hell is the right? The right thing is to just leave her alone and not bother her. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. She runs yeah. upon, she runs upon realizing the likelihood of him being her father. That's a weird sentence, but yeah, basically yeah. she kind of learns it on her own. Annie delivers her speech, which moves the audience and judges, except Milford, while Earl lurks above the stage. Voting commences, and Lucy pulls Andy and Dick aside to tell them that she has chosen Andy to act as the father of her child. Big surprise. Regardless of who is the biological res- uh, who is biologically responsible. Yeah, what if she was like, the father of my child will be Ben Horn. Ben- <laughs> <laughs> and Ben's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Dick congratulates them and leaves to make his vote. And Andy goes to find Agent Uh Cooper, much to Lucy's irritation. After the votes are in, Dr. Hayward announced uh, Annie as the contestant winner, as a contest winner. Earl shuts out the lights, then turns on his strobe effect. I love that they, that that is canon, uh, that he turns on a strobe effect, all while activating smoke bombs. It's funny because there's so much strobe lights in these last two episodes of Twin Peaks that, you know, I always just assume in, in, in TV and film that when strobe lights are happening, it's like not in the world. Like it's a, it's a film effect to let me know that crazy shit's happening. Not really like an actual strobe light is happening in that room. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I guess, I guess Wyndham Merle was like, I need to see it kind of, but I don't need to see everything. I more need to confuse people, so strobe it is. Yeah, I've heard that Lynch just like has strobe lights whenever he's working, just always when he's filming stuff. Yeah, just to have them. I guess he must not work with many epileptics, huh, Eric? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> in uh, in the chaos, Nadine is hit in the head with a sandbag, and Earl manages to kidnap Annie. When the lights are turned back on, Annie finally finds Cooper. Andy finally finds Cooper and tells him that the petroglyph is a map. And that ends nope. episode twenty-eight. Eric, are you? Yeah, ready? weird way to weird way to end the series. I kind of like. I have a lot of questions. Still <laughs> and I'm, I'm, you know, I kind of wish there was at least one more episode after this one. Yeah, it's a bummer that we were left on such a huge cliffhanger. Like, what happens? What what happened to Leo? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, so this next episode is the series finale, at least for the original series, for season and, and you know, in season two finale. It is uh written by Mark Frost, uh Harley Payton, Robert Engels, and David Lynch. So that's like the murderer's row of amazing Twin Peaks writers. And it is of course directed by David Lynch. Um, by the way, I uh, so this episode and the ep- and the episode we just talked about, the last two episodes of the series are um or of this season were basically they like fucked with they took a break i think it was like a month or something after episode 26 mm. or 20 i'm sorry 27 mm-hmm. i mean at this point like the show was like fucked rating wise they were just yeah. like 
kind of just riding the season out. Um, the studio was, it seems like. But uh, ABC had like basically set it up so these last two episodes were the ABC Monday night movie. So they were played back to back on a Monday night. Oh, wow. You're not kidding. Because, yeah, the original air date of episode yeah. 27 was April 18th, 1991. And then these two episodes aired back to back on June 10th, 1991. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. you had to wait. If you were on the edge of your seat really wanting the end of Twin Peaks, you did have to wait two months. That's crazy. Yeah, it's 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 so wild. Yeah, it's I can't weird. like it, I would have been so pissed off if I if I was watching the show as it came out because it's just like on one one day one week and then another day the next week and then yeah shit like this happens. I wonder if they pushed it like had a marketing campaign or something that pushed like hey Twin Peaks is having its its big series finale two episodes in a row like come thanks like, tune in this time to, you know what I mean like I wonder if they like kind of tried to push the ratings a bit by yeah I don't know by, I don't know airing some commercials or something that let you know it was it was an event was coming because this feels kind of like an event um you know because each episode's like an hour long so if you have it back to back like this it's like it's a lot of it's a lot of Twin Peaks in one night. Especially these last two episodes are incredibly heavy. So um but yeah, you what, what do you what do you say you want to dive in? I mean, this feels like a big moment for our show, huh? It it you know what? Let's take it in and let's take it in. Just uh, just take us through it, Jeremy. You let's got let's it, buddy. let's dip our toes in and, and we'll see how far we get. All right. We start with Andy and Lucy. <laughs> consoling each other after the chaotic Miss Twin Peaks contest where Annie was kidnapped by Wyndham Earl. Cooper, Harry, and Hawk stare at the map as Cooper mumbles, fire walk with me. Pete Martell Mm. enters the police station and says the log lady stole his truck. Uh, This is so good. And drove off towards the woods. Yeah, this is a great (laughs) scene. Uh, He just immediately is like, starts giving the the like the specs of his truck to <laughs> the police <laughs> like get on it now like he's so hurt that someone stole his truck yeah um cooper informs pete that it was wyndham earl in disguise the log lady arrives and says her husband gave her a bottle of oil from a gateway in the woods the jar smells like scorched engine oil Hawk brings in Ronette Polanski, who recognizes the smell from the night of Laura Palmer's murder. Wyndham Earl. Or, uh, also, they left out that like when the log lady does show up, Pete still thinks it's her <laughs> and yeah, accuses yeah. her. There she is, officers, arrest her. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Wyndham. It shot very. I love the. I, I pretty much say this about every shot in this, but it looks very cool. Yeah, pretty awesome. Now, uh, this is going to kind of be a sad truth, and I wonder, I'm I'm going to look this up to verify this now, but I believe this is going to be the last time that Jack Nance and David Lynch worked together, right? It was on this episode? I don't know for sure, but you might be right. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, uh, I'm wrong about that. He is in Lost Highway. So I, Yeah, he's, I actually don't think he's in Firewalk with he me. Is, yeah. He is in a deleted scene of Firewalk with me, apparently. Okay. But yeah, okay. okay so they will work again together, but 
Uh, so false alarm there, everybody. Sorry, I was going to memorialize Jack Nance, but we'll have to do it on the Lost Highway episode. Yeah. Uh, Wyndham Earl arrives in a dark wooded grove with Annie, who begins reciting Psalm 51 from the NIV, which is the new international version. Psalm 50 LXX. They, re- they reach a circle of trees and vanish behind a red curtain. Very cool effect, actually, I think. I love it. Yeah. It's cool. It's it's like it's like very uh practical. Like mm-hmm. you, you like you look at it and you're like this is like it's like not that complicated no. and you can kind of understand how it works and it just looks awesome. Yeah, it's it, it's a very typical for David Lynch uh, layering two images on top of each other. Like that's how yes. he does he does that a ton in all of his film. In like his entire filmography is like littered with images layered on top of each other to create weird looking effects. But I also will say that like David Lynch directing this episode, it's like, you can totally just tell right off the bat. It's so crazy how a raw talent, someone who is as good as David Lynch, it's just like, it's the same show. He's shooting it in basically the same way that we're used to seeing twin peaks. It's just, you can just tell the quality is so much better. Like the choices are just so much better. I don't know, Eric. Do you, do you did you can you do you think you could tell in from a scene whether David Lynch directed oh, it or 100%. not? Yeah, it, it, oh, isn't yeah. that crazy? I don't know. I find that fascinating. Just knowing what it's like to direct on like such a minor scale, you know, like or like when we did yeah. your film, like you you know you see what directing is kind of like. You know, it's like you know someone's kind of just in charge and like doing their best and making decisions. I just can't imagine being so good at it, at the craft that, you know, you can just tell yeah, from looking at something. I mean, anyways, at, at the Hurley house, Ed, Norma, and Doc Hayward bandaged Nadine Hurley and Mike N- Nelson for their injuries. Nadine suddenly regains her memory and is horrified to see Ed with Norma. She hollers about the missing drape runners and bursts into tears, very upset over Ed and Norma, while Mike ap- uh, apologizes to Ed for letting his tryst with Nadine go too far. This is such a fucked up scene. And it's also, it's like really sad for Nadine. And it's the last time we see any of these characters. <laughs> I know it's really sad. It's fucked one thing up. I do like is how the scene starts with Ed, just like snapping and walking to Norma. Yeah. Very cool. <laughs> At the Hayward house, Donna is distraught. Having learned of the likely possibility that Ben is her blood father. Ben and Eileen try to console her. Dr. Hayward arrives and orders Ben out of his house. Ben's wife, Sylvia, arrives and begins arguing with him. Angered, Doc Hayward punches Ben. Ben slams his head on the fireplace and falls down to the floor unconscious, which I believe is the last time we see them either. Them too, right? Uh, I think so. Yeah, Yeah, so we're wrapping up. This is, I guess I'm, I'm pointing this out just so that we can all be on the same page of like, this is how they chose to wrap up these storylines. <laughs> yeah, so that's a good, Nadine is good in point. hell. Uh, ben <laughs> is possibly dead. <laughs> yeah. Um, at the Blue Pine Lodge, Andrew grabs a safe deposit key and sneaks off while Pete finds him and wants in on what he plans to do. Yeah. Cooper and Harry. It's in the cake saver. Yep. <laughs> Get a piece of cake is what he plans to do. Uh, Cooper and Harry find Pete's truck in the woods. They walk partly into the forest when Cooper says he must continue alone, leaving Harry behind. Cooper hears an owl and sees the pool of oil 
ringed by rocks in a circle of small trees. Harry watches Cooper disappear behind a red curtain, curtain, which magically appears, then disappears. So, Glastonbury Grove, folks. That's what it's called? That's like the actual name of the yep. place? Yeah, that's the little the little area. Eric, there. I'm telling you, this summer, if that if this if this pandemic is done before we before we all die, we should go take a trip there. Let's get out there. Yeah. yeah. Um so I will say that when you think of Twin Peaks, you think of this uh sequence coming up, I think, or like sequences that happen inside the mysterious red curtained room. Like that is like When I Yeah. Yeah, when I think of Twin Peaks, I pretty much in like exclusively thinking of like shit like this in this episode and in uh, episode three mm-hmm. of the first season. Yeah. It's like a lot of red room stuff. Yeah. It's uh, I think this is probably the most iconic stuff to come from the show. And it's, I think it's really interesting to me that the majority of it happens in this last episode. It's also like the best that this set design and like sequence has ever looked is in the hands of David Lynch in this season. I think that also this scene we're about to describe is probably my favorite scene in the entire show by far. It's also, I think the Mm -hmm. most Lynchian scene, but uh, Cooper walks into the mysterious red curtain room from his dream. There are couches, a zigzag pattern on the floor and some statues. The man from another place dances into the room and sits in an old chair. A man sings a sad jazz tune as a strobe Mm -hmm. light flickers. Now, to say under the yeah what s- sycamore trees under the sycamore tree yes I yeah. will say that to just to just say it out loud does not do it justice at all. Um, you really got to watch this sequence. It is like some of the best. I think it's one like one of my favorite sequences of in any media at all. Period in, in all of film, it's like one of it's my favorite good. things to look at. It is like it is unequivocally David Lynch. It is you know it's unmistakably undeniably you know. Uh, spoken in his language it is completely it is like Mulholland Drive it's like all of this all of his classics rolled into one in this in this moment I think it's I think it's really good and uh definitely if you if you if you see only one scene from the entire series you know watch that scene because it's it's fantastic um Andy arrives in the forest to join Harry they wait all night and after uh, over 10 hours Cooper does not emerge yep Meanwhile, back in Goofsville, <laughs> Audrey walks into the <laughs> Twin Peaks Savings and Loan Bank, passes before a sleeping new accounts clerk, and chains herself to the bank vault. I will say a comically yeah. large bank vault, by the way. Uh, it, yeah, especially for Twin Peaks. Yeah, in protest of the Ghostwood Development Project and its environmental effect on the forest weasel. The old senile and slow-moving bank uh, president, Del Milbler, fetches Audrey a glass of water that she asked for, but is slow to understand what Audrey is doing. She asks him to inform the Twin Peaks Gazette editor, Dwayne Milford Jr. Just then, Andrew and Pete arrive with the safe deposit key, intending to open the box left by Thomas Eckhart. Andrew asks the bank's president to help in identifying the proper box in the bank vault, the elderly Bank president walks away as Andrew opens the box to find a bomb, which is triggered by the safe deposit box opening. Along with the bomb is a taunting note reading, got you, Andrew. Love, Thomas. (laughs) 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 Fooled you. Fooled you. And it explodes, blowing out the bank windows. Yeah. And the clerk's glasses and some money 
fall in a nearby pine branch. Yes. Very blue velvet. We, <laughs> this is how we wrap up Audrey and yeah. uh, Eckert and Pete. And Pete, yeah. Now, and Andrew. the building. Or no, Andrew and Pete. Andrew and Pete, yeah. As the building explodes, I, you know, you're basically like, okay, Pete and Andrew are toast for sure. <laughs> but then I'm yeah. kind of like, maybe Audrey made it out a lot. I mean, I don't know. But I th- I could see her her surviving. I guess we'll find out uh, in the return. But the glasses flying into the uh, into the air and falling into the shrub. It just reminded me of Blue Velvet so much. Like I don't know something about the ear, right? Finding the ear or whatever in the mm, yes. in the grass. Like yep. you know something like a remnant of a murder or a traumatic event, like in nature. <laughs> um, at the Double R Diner, Bobby and Shelley smile at each other. Bobby proposes marriage to Shelley while she asks to think about it considering she is still married to leo who at the moment is holding out in windham earl's spider trap (laughs) (laughs) still yeah nearby major briggs and his wife are we get we actually get a shot of that don't we like that he's still doing it yeah Yeah. uh nearby major briggs and his wife are at a table happy to be back together jacoby arrives with a dazed looking sarah palmer who delivers a message message to major briggs recanting in a garbled voice i'm in the black lodge with Dale Cooper, I'm waiting for you. Do you think that's Bob speaking through Sarah Palmer? Yeah, who do you think it is? Um, yes, yeah, I think so. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and that would make that would make some kind of sense, right? Because Sarah Palmer has a tradition of being kind of, uh, you know having some sort of sharing some sort of oneness with the psycho shit going on in the black lodge. Like she sees Bob a lot. She experiences out of body moments. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. 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 I think it's Bob in the black lodge. The red suited backwards talking man from another place tells Cooper. They are in a waiting room and offers Cooper some coffee. The man from another place tells Cooper when you see me again, it won't be me. Laura Palmer appears saying she will see mm. Cooper again in 25 years, which by the way, me and Jackie were watching this. It freaked us the fuck out. <laughs> I did not remember that line, Eric. And when I saw this series originally, it was way before 2016 where, Oh yeah. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. So the return basically happens like 25 years. I mean, it's set 25 years after this and it also literally in real time is 25 years later which is pretty awesome. I mean, it can, it's completely bananas that that just happened yeah. to be the case. Like Jackie was asking me, she's like, did David Lynch plan that? And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, maybe we can talk about this later, but you know, let's talk about it now. Do you think he planned that? <laughs> I don't think I, I don't, I don't think it was planned. I, I think it was, um, I don't know. I think it was maybe something that he like had kind of um, they had talked about uh, maybe a little bit here and there. But I think it was um, I don't think like when they finished, like while they were like making the actual original run, they were like, oh, yeah, we'll come back in 25 years right. and do like another show or something. Yeah. But I do. I do think I mean, it was planned out to an extent where like. Uh, after a while, David Lynch was like, just wanted to, I, I, he said, he said in interviews and stuff like after Twin Peaks that he still has, there's still st- kind of like 
it, it didn't end the way that he wanted it to, and there were still kind of stories to tell and yeah. things he wanted to do with it. Yeah, like well, like so, like uh, Nadine. I think the ju- <laughs> seed of that idea. I think the seed of that idea was there, but I don't think it was like, yeah, we're gonna do. We're definitely gonna have it bring this back in twenty five years. Yeah, I mean, just I knowing just- how things work in Hollywood, like knowing what it takes to get the funding to do a television show and the deals that need to be done and take place, like it would be too hard to plan something out like that, you know, unless you're like yeah. Richard Linklater doing boyhood or something like yeah. things that take multiple years to accomplish are not all. It's just not a way that there would be no way that Lynch would have been able to know he, he would be able to pull it together, but what a happy accident that he was able to. And it since sincerely freaked me the fuck out. Cause I did not remember that line at all. And I mean, what a miraculous accident. You know what I mean? Like, what a weird... Yes. It's very it's cool. It's so Like, everyone cool. who's in it is exactly 25 years older, too, yeah. like the actors. Oh, so yeah. It's, it's great. No, it's so that's cool. so authentic and so... Yeah, I'm just... I feel like I'm... I'm I'm better... I'm better living in a world where that was able to take place, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so... Okay, so then she says, Meanwhile while making a strange gesture with both of her hands, which is a snapping. It's just a snap being played backwards. (laughs) The elderly and senile waiter appears and brings coffee to Cooper. He's replaced by the giant who sits down next to the man from another place saying one and the same. The man from another place rubs his hands and the giant with the giant gone. Cooper starts to drink the coffee only to find it frozen solid, tipping it to show the man. He tips his cup a second time and it pours it out. Now liquid, he dips it a third time, and it's burnt oil. The man from another place says, wow, Bob, wow, fire walk with me. The room erupts into flame and begins to flicker between light and darkness. Cooper leaves the room, entering another one that looks exactly the same. He returns to the first room where the man from another place says, wrong way. Cooper's back to the second room. He sees the man from another place laughing, saying another friend. Maddie appears, says, watch out for my cousin, then disappears. Cooper returns to the first room to find it completely empty. An evil-looking man from another place appears with his eyes cat- uh, corrected, white, says doppelganger, and twitches. And he, yes. Yes. So is this the first time we hear, not like of a doppelganger, but the word doppelganger? Like, is has it been said before in the show? I think there's been like little sort of like lines here and there of um, like uh sort of like people having like another um like a darker version of themselves sort of a thing i mean like in the like this the doppelganger idea was around like since the beginning i believe because i even in i remember like in the first episode of this we did i was talking about how i was looking at like looking for doubles yeah and like doppelganger uh imagery and in the pilot and stuff and that that kind of thing is there that's definitely there um, yeah, I was just so yeah, I was just but, wondering if they had at at some point se- if this is the first time we're hearing the word doppelganger because once it gets yes, said you can't are. unhear it and also you can't unsee it where like everything you starts to fall to get like fall into place basically where you're like oh er- shit is just doppelgangers like people are doppelgangers concepts are doppelgangers situations are doppelgangers <laughs> right yeah like maybe perhaps Le- the leland that we knew it was it was a doppelganger of yeah exactly like in the original leland. right yeah so and we'll probably talk extensively about that 
at some other point. But I, I wanted to set the seed or plant the seed there to have another discussion about doppelgangers and, and twins and stuff because I think that is ultimately, I believe, what the show's about in some kind mm-hmm. of way. I don't know if you would agree with that, but maybe we can just have a discussion about it later at some point. But yeah. um, An evil-looking Laura doppelganger appears and says, Meanwhile... With the strange hand gesture, again from before, uh-huh. screaming, scared, Cooper runs out of the room, room, returning to the other one. He is bleeding from the, uh, it says chest here. I think it's more like the stomach and yeah. has trailed blood on the floor. He stumbles back into the first room and sees a woman lying on the floor with his own body. The woman is Annie with her throat cut. A little later, mm-hmm. Cooper walks into a room with a shrine-like table uh, to see Annie she says she saw the face of the man who killed her. It was her husband. She does not respond to the name Annie and her appearance changes to Caroline. Caroline is replaced by Laura and then Wyndham Earl. Annie watches as Wyndham and Cooper face off and then disappears. Wyndham laughs and says if Cooper gives him his soul, he will let Annie live. Cooper says yes and Earl stabs Cooper Yes. He says yes, like, right away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, like, I just like that. I also, like, missed that. So, yeah, like, I, I, I must have blinked or looked at my phone or something for a second because the next thing I remember is he's just getting stabbed, and I was like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a burst of flame, and then the stabbing rewinds. Bob takes control of Wyndham Earl, saying he cannot ask for Cooper's soul and will take Wyndham's soul instead. So I guess, all right, never mind. After a burst of flame, Wyndham Earl goes silent, apparently dead. Cooper leaves the room, and an evil doppelganger of Cooper appears from behind the curtain, which is very creepy. Yeah. He kind of like creeps like an old wolf from a cartoon or something. Like he's like <laughs> yeah. tiptoeing. Um, yeah. The doppelganger of of Leland Palmer with brown hair appears in the hall between the two rooms and says, "I did not kill anybody." Cooper's doppelganger. Yeah. yeah. I also love the like the sound when they're running around and stuff is like it's like the sound of like footsteps in like a vacuum. Yes. You know what like, I mean? There's like no other sounds. Yeah, it's really cool. It's really interesting. Yeah. Um Cooper's doppelganger comes into the hall and laughs with Leland. The real Cooper runs back and forth between rooms. It seems he cannot get out. The doppelganger Cooper catches up to Cooper and Bob's face briefly appears and laughs. At nightfall, Mm -hmm. Harry finds Cooper and Annie lying in the forest by the circle of trees as the red-curtained gateway to the Black Lodge disappears. Well, first, we we skipped over this. I just wanted to mention how funny the scene is with uh, Andy and and Truman when they're waiting. Oh, yes! uh, Andy's like, do you want... uh, do you want some coffee? And <laughs> yeah. Truman just keeps saying, yeah, like 30 seconds later. Yeah. Very funny. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a good moment between those two guys. Yeah. Yeah. Cooper. It's also funny because it's like the f- finale of an entire series <laughs> yeah. and David Lynch is just lingering on this one little like yeah. <laughs> dragged out bit. I just love that. Like, well, it's also like, it's important to cut back because you're also just realizing like in real time, it's just, People have to wait <laughs> for like yeah. all this shit yeah. to happen. Uh, Cooper wakes up in his bed at the Great Northern Hotel. Cooper asks about Annie and Harry tells him that Annie is in the hospital and she will be all right. Cooper gets out of bed and tells Harry and Doc Hayward that he needs to brush his teeth. Once in the bathroom, he begins to put toothpaste on and brush. 
but then squeezes the tube's contents into the sink. He slowly raises his head, looks into the mirror, and smashes his head into Ooh, it. baby. Bloodifying, bloodying, sorry, bloodifying, bloodying <laughs> the glass. Bob's face appears in the mirror, revealing that it is actually the doppelganger. As Harry and Doc knock on the door in concern, Cooper manically repeats, how's Annie, and laughs uncontrollably. How's Annie? How's Annie? Here's Annie. <laughs> yeah. uh, so a little, just a little tiny wrap up before we fully do our little post about Twin Peaks season two. Huh. The idea I think here is that Wyndham Earl stabs Cooper and actually does take his soul, right? Is that it? Like, and then Bob takes from Wyndham Earl everything he has which is also cooper is that is that right so what i and people have different uh ideas about this but my my belief is that is that uh uh uh, bob has essentially um so the good, so good Cooper is in the Black Lodge. This is the doppelganger Cooper, um, right? And obviously yes. Bob is sort of like, uh, you know, working through him, mm-hmm. sort of in in the same way that like he did with Leland. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that. So yeah, that seems that's, that seems that's clear. I but I, that's, I think what I'm wondering is how the transaction happened because I'm assuming it has something to do with a soul, like a, a trading yeah. of souls, and I. Th- and in my, you know, you see Wyndham stab Cooper and take his soul, but then you see it rewind. So maybe he didn't. Yeah. But then you see Bob take Wyndham. And at that point, I'm kind of like, if Bob took Wyndham Earl's soul, then how did he get Cooper's? Is a kind of my, is, is, was kind of my lingering logic question. And I know I realize yeah, that that's I sort that he, of I don't know that he like necessarily has his soul uh, as much as um, you know I I actually think we like there's like a little bit of a gray area where we perhaps don't really know uh, uh, how this worked mm-hmm. but um, we basically ended up to the point where bad Coop is out yeah bad Cooper um, made his Coop way out stuck. while good Cooper stayed yeah inside the black yeah. lodge. Interesting. Okay, so there. Yeah, I guess my guesstimation of it was that it was somehow in this, in all these transactions between souls and people taking souls from people that Cooper wasn't allowed to leave or something. But I guess that was not necessarily a fact. It's more like, and like in, a, in typical David Lynch fashion, a lot of it's just probably up to interpretation. But it does seem like, and I think that's what maybe can frustrate people about david lynch is that it does seem sometimes like the the world has rules and then the world will betray its own rules sometimes <laughs> like uh and you know my another question i would have for you eric is like what do you think the leland palmer stuff is all about inside the black lodge like if leland palmer's doppelganger is in there and he's saying i did not kill anyone is the doppelganger lying or is he trying to say that I'm the doppelganger and I didn't kill anyone? It was actually Leland Palmer that killed everyone. 
I actually thought that that was like the real Leland Palmer when I was watching this. Yeah. Again, I was like, wait, is that? Uh, but he is pretty evil in it. Well, he because uh, he has the eyes. I guess the eyes is yeah. what I was going on for the doppelgangers. Yeah, I think I think he's like. Uh, I mean, because he he's dead, obviously. Um, he's he's maybe stuck in the Black Lodge kind of a thing. Yeah, um, but the real Leland Palmer is dead, though, so I think the doppelganger's who's stuck or who's just lives in the Black Lodge. Right. Yeah. Well, the real Laura, the real Laura is dead. And she's, she's in the Black Lodge, that. too. Yeah. Yes, that's true. See, folks, this is the kind of conversations that you're going to have oh, uh, yeah. as soon as you watch Twin Peaks with that's a That's what I love. I love it. Yeah. I love it. So, uh, so we think, so what did what do you think Leland Palmer's doppelganger meant ultimately with I did not kill anybody? I did not kill anybody. Uh, hmm. I guess because he could be meaning a bunch of things, right? He could be meaning that Bob did it or he could be saying that yeah. he didn't do it. That the It's the real Leland Palmer, which I think is a really dark interpretation is that it wasn't even the doppelganger that did it. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it's, it is like the real version of me that did it. Um, yeah. I, I guess I lean more towards Bob, Bob doing it. Yeah. It's Bob, not even just meaning Bob, but sort of this like dark force that, uh, yeah, I guess exists in this, in this area. It could also just be a quick aside of just reminding the audience about Leland Palmer. You know what I mean? Like, cause mm-hmm. if you think about it, he, the last time we saw him was like, I think in an episode like eight of this season and, or like 12 of this season. And it's now episode 29 and it, it's cool to just have Ray Weiss back on set. So there is like the, yeah. the technical reading of it where you're like, maybe they just wanted to have him on set and say something fucked up. And then, that's it, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, because I, I, it's weird. Like we're doing Stan and Dave need wedding dates purposefully because we want to cover David Lynch and Stanley Kubrick. And I think that they overlap a bunch, but I think one thing that in one way that they're not the same is that David Lynch seems much more like an artist than Kubrick does in that not everything David Lynch does is the most careful or has to make the most sense. Yeah. Or is the, Kubrick's more like a scientist. Right. Yeah. To where like everything is carefully placed where I don't think David Lynch cares yeah. so much. I think he kind of throws around ideas and themes a lot and they don't have, yeah. they don't always have to like make sense or even make sense with the last thing you saw. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so let me ask you, Jeremy. So you know that this, uh, we'll see you again in 25 years uh, and we, we get the return in 25 years. Do you have any like sort of guess or just idea of what you think might happen um, just at all? Yeah, well, so I, my guess is going to be that uh, Cooper is going to be a villain of some kind in the in the return. Um, or, you know, we'll, we'll be seeing his doppelganger or whatever, but I will be assuming that the theme of this season is trying to get real Cooper back and deal with doppelganger Cooper, but... But I don't know. Twenty five years is a long time. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's like a long twenty five yeah. years. I think that comes from like the what they were talking about. I don't remember if this was. I think this was in the previous episode where like Mercury and Saturn are aligned or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's like when you can access the the red room, um, and I think that's what the twenty five years reference is. Is like that won't happen again for twenty five years. So Cooper is is stuck there. 
Um, oh, great. Yeah, so for, for that So he won't be able time, to lead for 25 years. Yeah. Um, I, yes. That's interesting. Yes, I, yeah. Yeah. Now, so, it's also weird to me that people can be in the Black Lodge and also outside of the Black Lodge at the same time, right? That's like a thing. Is that... Well, they're doppelganger can. (laughs) What do you mean? Well, I guess... I guess... uh, I guess maybe I don't know what I mean, but like like... Yeah, I guess maybe I don't know what I mean. But I thought I was my I guess one of my thoughts was like maybe Laura Palmer could actually come out of the Black Lodge at some point, but maybe not cuz she's dead. Her body's dead. But she also is yeah, in the Black Lodge. You know what I mean? Like it seems like right. people can come out of it. But then there'd be yeah, a dead one and a, a live one that are in I mean, in I, I, theory the same one. <laughs> I mean, I think a dead, like, Laura being dead doesn't necessarily mean that her doppelganger is dead and vice versa. Right. Vice versa. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's what I wonder about Laura Palmer's, like, the body of Laura Palmer outside of the Black Lodge could be the doppelganger's body. I don't know Could if that be. makes any sense, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's it's all a lot to it's a it's a good amount to chew on and oh yeah. you know we won't I be. I mean, if this is what you're if this is what you're taking away from it, I think I think you'll I think you'll enjoy uh, you learn a lot in in, in the return. Oh yeah, no, I'm super excited to to cover the return, and we won't be doing it for actually quite a while. We uh, no. the returns 2016, <laughs> so it is like the uh, last thing we'll be covering before Stan and Dave need wedding dates is over. Yeah. I'm okay with that though. Yeah. I think it. I think it'll be good to just take a little reprieve. Uh, I'm really excited to talk about Stanley Kubrick stuff. Yeah, same. Um, and I mean, we've got so we've got a bunch of good David Lynch movies still to talk about. Yeah. Um, so uh, thank you so much for listening, and and if you have just been sticking around for the Twin Peaks stuff, uh, listen to the f- watch these movies with us because they're all we're. We, we, a couple of the Kubrick ones, I would say only like one of the Kubricks is like, I, I guess maybe not that great. But, uh, <laughs> like a complete chore been, to watch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But everything else has been great. You can go back and listen to everything up to this point and we'll be doing 2001 next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, very excited for that. Uh, go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy. Right now, we have a special going on called the Pandemic Special. You can uh, sign up for $1 and get our bonus episodes, which are pretty much weekly. And uh, yeah, Jeremy, any anything else before we sign off? <sighs> nope. I mean, that was it. That What a doozy, right? Like, uh, this is the second time I've seen the series all the way through, and I just know it's not going to be the last. Not the last, my man. And we will see you all again in seven uh, days (laughs) when we (laughs) put out our next podcast. Uh, Norma, I'll see you in my dreams. 